that song was the word for this week. Amen. Hold on. Everything is going to be all right. Yeah, sometimes we don't understand that. We just got to keep on trusting. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord on today. I just want to, can't really say that enough. Amen. To see each and every one of you who pressed your way in spite of losing an hour of sleep. Amen. So give yourself a hand for that one. Amen. But with that being said, sonny, ain't nothing like a Sunday now. Amen. I'm going to do my job as best I can, and that is to bring you a word on today. Amen. That might both inspire you and uplift you just to hold on just a little while longer. Those of you who have your Bibles, if you stand with me for the reading of God's Word, amen, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Take it from the book of Job, the Old Testament, the first chapter. If you found it, say amen. Amen. You find that in the Old Testament. Job, just before Psalm. I just want to read one verse until you hear Job 1. Verse 21. Amen. You found it? Say amen. 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 And Job was saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Father God, we thank you now for this hour of preachment. We ask, Lord God, that we will receive a word from you. Allow us to hear it, Lord, as you would allow us to receive it. Father God, allow us to feel it as you would allow it to be felt. Allow your spirit to do all thy teaching, Lord. Hide me now behind this thine sacred desk, that thy people might see me but hear all of thee. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Could you ask your neighbor this question? Where do we go from here? Amen. Where? do we go from here? I know all of us have heard that passage in Job, a very familiar passage. It's a very, very familiar passage. The problem with it is, is that in many realms of theology, in many schools of thought, it is taught that this story is just a metaphor. It is just fictitious history, just a good story. This is taught in many seminaries, many schools, many Top theologians believe this. I don't know what your thought is. You believe it's a real story, a made-up story. Uh, However you choose to be on that side of the fence, understand this one thing. Is that Job, by all accounts, the word says, was an upright person. Loved God. God loved him. In the course of these preceding 20 verses, we find that Job lost everything that he had. Everything that he had. The text declares that as one messenger would come and offer up bad news, more bad situations was happening on another side of town. So before one messenger could leave, another messenger would come and report that news. And while they were reporting that news, something else. Bad was happening. The message on the way 
and said, Joe, you've lost all your livestock. Joe, you've had seven sons and three daughters. All gone. The house is gone. What we find interesting in this text, and I and I think we've never have not spent enough time on it down through the years, that in these preceding 20 verses, we find that God, as this word declares, Job being an upright man, was not having a conversation with Job. Having a little talk with the enemy. The Bible declares that God was having a talk with Satan. Come on now. Some of us right now, right now, are, are, are trying to rationalize and figure out this thing. How in the world could a person who served God, who was by all accounts an upright man, have all this tragedy happen to him? Why was God talking? to the enemy why was God seemingly not there in this time of adversity in this time of trouble see we don't talk about that enough in the church we always like to fluff it up a little bit and give the sugary side and talk about the good things that are happening praises go up and blessings come down and all this kind of all kind of thing that everything is going to be good and peachy and rosy and trust God and You'll get to the other side. But here's the thing about going through. None of us know what the other side of through looks like. None of us know what we're going to experience on tonight. None of us know what we're going to experience next week. None of us know that when we leave here, we're going to go back to our home. We hope that everything is all right. But meanwhile, some things are happening behind the scene of your life. You didn't see none of this coming. I want to be very clear. Job didn't ask for any of this. That's the problem with circumstances. You don't always know what set of circumstances you're going to run into. You don't know how people are going to change from day to day. I was just talking to somebody the other day. I tell you, I, I don't know. I must have been a little celebrity in the restaurant I was at the other day. because I had about six people come up to me from every different direction. Hadn't seen some of them in a long time. But one lady particular stopped and was talking to me, and she said, I'm getting ready to go through a divorce now. I said, okay. She said, yeah, sometimes you just don't know what you're getting. Come on, somebody. We're going to be honest in here today. You don't always know the circumstances how things are going to play out. But watch this. You've always got a choice. And Job didn't ask for anything that happened to him. Matter of fact, I didn't even look because all of this happens in the first 20 verses. In the first chapter, you've got to understand that this particular book goes on for 41 more chapters. What in the world could we expect next? Oh, I'm telling somebody right now that there's hope in, 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 in this text. Job didn't ask for this, but yet it still happened. I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to reel you in because I know you're going through some things right now. You didn't ask for it, but yet it still happened. You got to ask yourself, where do we go 
from him. See, a whole lot of people get frustrated right here. This, this is where they'll just give up on God. And, and, and it's funny to me, and I've said this so many times as I've been preaching during this COVID season, is that a whole lot of people now are using COVID as a reason to give up on church and to turn their back on God. How can a God do this? And why would God allow that? And I'm not going back to that place. And Y'all don't have proper protocols and all this bad stuff happening. And you know what? All that stuff happening on your job. And then some of you is happening in your home. And you go back. Well, the church is one of those places that we give up on so quick. And, and now I want to disassociate a little bit. I, I, I don't want to say that necessarily coming to church is going to get you closer to God because some places just got church in title only. Let's hear that. But, but, but what I am saying is, though, that when you have a Bible-believing and God-fearing church and you disconnect yourself from it, what is it saying about you in these situations, in these tragedies? I, I, I dare say that any of us have experienced a total wipeout. That's what Job experienced. Job experienced a total wipeout. But if we fast forward, Job said, and I say this all the time, too, and had my mother laughing because back 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 last month I had my I've been in car accidents but never when I was the driver I had an accident lady just cut in front of me real quick wanted to make a left turn you know how people do in a hurry got to got to cut you off and slap on the brakes and then they said you followed too close I wasn't following too close because a second ago she wasn't even there but nevertheless. I hit a domestic car. I was driving the work vehicle. That was on a Friday. On a Monday, they said, come on down here to the job. We got to talk to you. Well, the car was gone on Friday. The job was gone on Monday. I ain't asked for none of it. There I am in the middle of circumstances. I had the car towed back to the yard. Mother texts me. We talk every day. She said, what happened to the car? Oh, it tore up like that. And I text her, the Lord give and the Lord taketh away. That's just how I look at life. This verse is giving me comfort in life because things will happen where you put yourself in a situation and then some things will happen to you which you had no control over. And in those situations, whether be at fault or not, will you trust God? Can God strip you of the things that you love true and dear and you still trust him? Car gone, job gone, smile still here. I don't trust in houses and land. Never put trust in a job. Don't trust any manager. Hard to trust friends sometimes. Hard to trust family sometimes. But trust God all the time. So while he didn't choose these circumstances, he did the best he could in them. Watch this. When crisis and chaos comes your way, are you going to cry about it? Or are you going to shift? Old folk used to say, 
When you used to say bad things would happen, they say, keep on living. And they say, keep on living. You, you, you having a ball now. You having a good time now. All good things coming to you now. You, you, you are the, the good looking one. Everybody liking you and you're getting all the attention and you're getting all the scholarships and job offers and all these things are happening. But if you keep on living, something's going to happen that you didn't plan for. Something's going to happen that you didn't set aside enough money for or may even hit you health-wise. I, I can guarantee if you're over 40, over 50, you don't necessarily feel nor look like you did when you were 21. Some things going to happen to you and shift and it's, gonna, it's just going to cause you to change and will you still trust God? Well, you can't jump as high, can't run as long. Uh, Johnson, I don't have as much hair as I used to. You're going to still trust me. <laughs> but that's just life. Where will you go from here? Crisis hits in your relationship. I've said it many times. People will pack up before they try to work on it. Here we go again. Church, one of them places that if you don't speak to the right person, you don't hug the right person, they won't come back for three weeks. Get angry, get upset. Least little things happen and we get frustrated and angry and we just want to give up. Something happened in your marriage. Something happened in your courtship. We just quit to give up. What you going to do in crisis? You know what? I want to share a quick story because it's new and it's fresh and it happened. And that is the other day. Uh, uh, a couple nights ago, a couple nights ago, those of you who watch basketball, anybody here watch basketball, the NBA, uh, an event happened, an historical event happened. And that was Greg Popovich became the winningest coach in the NBA. He's the coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Watch this because I'm going circumstances, circumstances. Back in 1996, he was the vice president of the team. Team wasn't doing too well. He did something uh, uh, unscripted and, and 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 unheard of. He said, "I'm going. I'm the VP. I'm gonna fire the coach because he's doing such a bad job. I'm gonna come down out of the front office and I'm gonna coach the team. Unheard of. Been with that team for 26 years. The other night he recorded his 1,336 victory to become the all-time leading." Coach, winning his coach in NBA. What does that got to do with anything? Circumstances. He didn't run from a problem. He put himself in the middle of it. And said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this ship around. Five championships later, 1,336 wins later. All of these Hall of Famers that he's coached. Because he interjected himself in a situation. He didn't cry. He didn't moan. When there was chaos, he said, bring it on. Now, the difference in that story is, I don't know where he stands on his faith, but if you are a believer, and you believe in Jesus Christ, why are you running from your situation? You got to face it head on. Lastly, I want to show you with this. After all this was done, Job said, naked I came into this world, and naked I'll leave. But before that, he tore his robe, shave his head. Custom says that back then they would do that when they had 
seen something horrific or when deep state of mourning it wasn't that he was going crazy it was just he had lost everything how's he supposed to feel let's park right there for a minute the problem with a lot of folk is when you lose something and you're in the process of grief people want to tell you how you should feel Yeah, yeah, and the chaplain side of me says something's wrong with that. Because I'm going to help somebody real quick. Some people, right or be it wrong, are closer to their dog than they are cousin, than they are sibling. So for you to suggest to just get over it, it's just a dog or it's just a cat. To them, it's like they've lost family. So you have no right to tell someone how they should feel. Now, there's a certain thing that's unhealthy grief, but that's a whole nother subject matter. But you have the right to process loss and sit in that space and be okay. You have that right to be able to do that. That's what Job did. He read his clothes. He shaved his head. He had a manifestation of his pain so that others could see that he was grieving before he said naked. I came into this world naked I leave. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I hope we've helped somebody here today because all I simply came to do in my own humble way was to ask you, where do we go from here? Let us stand.